Hello and welcome to Endurance Minded. It's the podcast that looks at the psychological and emotional components of endurance sports and how they impact performance. I'm your host, Taylor Thomas, founder and coach at TEC. And on this episode, I welcome back to the show Christine Zimmerman. Christine is an anti-diet dietitian along with an intuitive eating counselor. And her and I um, unpack and revisit uh, a ton of, uh, of really dynamic and nuanced topics. This is one that I really encourage you guys to listen to start to finish. Um, I'll highlight a few of the things that we talk about, but really there's a lot of detail in here. Um, Christine is such an amazing presence uh, and has uh, so much um, expertise as well as uh, just insight into um, how and why we think and feel the way we do about food and what we end up doing in this episode is really turning on its head so many of the things that we um, that we think about food and so many of the reasons that we feel certain ways about how we eat and uh, why we make decisions around food and the ways that we do and, and it really flies in the face of popular culture and how we're marketed to uh, about food, um, how we talk about food, again, how we feel about food and the pleasure that we get from that. So um, it, it's, it's really, really uh, impactful and for me was, was um, an important conversation to just be made aware of so many of these different areas that impact um, something as fundamental and critical as how we fuel our bodies. Um, so few of the areas that we touch on, again, just to highlight, um, we talk about the psychology versus the science of weight loss and really how we focus so much as a culture and a society on the science, but have turned a blind, blind eye to the psychology. And that really is where we're going to find so many of the answers and so many of the reasons that these systems uh, are broken for so many individuals. Um, we talk about the perils of weight cycling, um, how inherently uh, dieting and restrictive eating are going to set us up for failure eventually um, and how this is going to lead to uh, a perpetual uh, series of, of weight cycling uh, that so many uh, of us uh, have dealt with and, and we see as such a pervasive um, uh, component of, of eating culture uh, globally. Uh, we talk about stigmas around eating uh, and, and how certain foods and, and certain um, things that we uh, have identified as bad or good uh, can be so paralyzing. And that stigma is really what gets in the way of having a healthy relationship with food and really enjoying uh, fueling uh, our bodies. Um, eating as a part of self-care. Um, how we eat, how we feel about fueling our bodies, the, the enjoyment that the experience of eating gives us is really something that we should see as self-care. Um, and it's such an important part of feeling balanced and feeling satisfied. Um, and so um, for me, this was a really impactful component uh, of the conversation. Um, getting pleasure from food, um, this is something that is good, right? There's nothing wrong with food 
being a pleasure center uh, and being an area in our lives where we, where we derive pleasure. So we don't have to rush through our food experiences. We don't have to feel bad about taking time to prepare meals and to, to fuel our bodies uh, in a way that helps us, allows us to feel satisfied. Uh, and again, there's, uh, there's pleasure associated with that and, and that's a good thing. Um, so again, lots and lots of nuance. Each one of these topics we expand on, dispers different types of questions um, that both Christine and I uh, unpack and dive into. So again, I encourage you to, uh, to sit down uh, with a cup of coffee and, uh, and listen to this one from start to finish. Really, really impactful. Uh, and again, Christine is just such a powerhouse when it comes to how she, um, how she guides people in, um, in, in their journey with food. And again, this is something that is such a, you know, it, it feels uh, almost ridiculous to say, but it's such an important part of our lives, but yet it's something that we downplay um, or that we feel guilty about or that we're not quite sure how to navigate or we're not sure how we should feel about food. And Christine just has such a, 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 a amazing perspective and her ability to guide individuals um, through these feelings and these emotions and, and, and ultimately um, deliver tactical advice on how they can live better lives is, is something that I've watched unfold uh, in her capacity as the dietitian for TEC and uh, it's something that uh, has really been transformative in my life and um, so there's uh, I, I'm sure that whoever uh, wherever you're coming from um, and whatever experiences you've had with food I'm sure that you'll get something uh, out of this conversation so next as a reminder um, for those of you looking for resources related to the things that we talk about in Endurance Minded. Again, these are things around goal setting, um, enjoying the process, uh, being able to, um, to reach your goals, uh, finding balance and joy in that process. Um, so many of the, the topics that we talk about and we look at, often through the lens of athleticism, as you well know, if, if, if you're a listener, uh, a recurring listener in this podcast, so many of these topics uh, can be and even should be applied to all areas of our lives, right? Um, the way that we look at reaching our full potential through a dedicated movement practice, those same tools um, and that same mindset applies to how we accomplish our goals in all areas of our lives. So with this in mind, uh, we are, uh, myself along with Christine Hernandez, who is the mental performance coach for TEC, are going to be hosting a workshop December 28th uh, at eight o'clock in the morning, Mountain Standard Time. It's gonna be a virtual 90 minute workshop um, that's going to help you uh, understand how you can set goals that are in alignment with the life you wanna live uh, and the impact that you wanna have in the world. So uh, the name of the workshop is Accelerate Your Impact. And we designed this for individuals who are uh, looking for ways to really create uh, their most impactful year yet. So often the story that I hear is, you know, I didn't accomplish my goals or I didn't enjoy the process uh, in accomplishing those goals. or I'm not moving through my day in a way that feels fulfilling or it's not bringing me joy or whatever that narrative is. 
it gets recycled so often. So Christine and I teamed together, uh, teamed up, and we created this workshop to get at exactly this pain point. So if you're looking for a way to, um, to really sink your teeth into a lot of the concepts that we talk about in Endurance Minded, this is the resource for you. Um, and so I'll put the link uh, in the show notes. You can also send us a note at enduranceminded.com. I'm happy to, uh, to send you the information. Um, you can, uh, any way that you wanna reach out to us, I wanna get this in as many people's hands as possible because I think this is something that's really, really gonna be impactful for so many people. It's gonna help you get a very, very clear vision of what it's gonna look like to set goals that are in alignment with the life that you wanna lead. Um, and that's where the disconnect is for so many people. So we created a resource to, uh, to allow our listeners in the broader community um, to really, again, put so many of these things that we talk about on the podcast into action in their own lives. So we want this to be something that uh, is, um, is approachable for everyone as well as tactical. So you're going to leave with the tools and relationships that you need to put these things into play in your own life um, as soon as you as you leave the workshop. So again, that's December 28th, uh, 8 in the morning, Mountain Standard Time. Accelerate your impact. Look for the link to sign up in the show notes of this episode or send us a note at enduranceminded.com. And I would love for anyone to attend. It's something that I think is really going to be uh, a, a really valuable tool and a well-timed resource uh, given that we're coming to the end of the year. So um, as always, thank you so much. Please enjoy my conversation with Christine Zimmer. Hey everyone, uh, before we dive into this episode, I'm going to take a moment to tell you about Inside Tracker. As I've talked about at length on the show, my passion is helping individuals discover the tools, resources, and relationships they need to reach their full potential. It's about more than just getting fit or being in shape for one race. It's about realizing the value in the lifetime pursuit of dedicating yourself to become the best version of you that you can be. So no matter what you love, whether it's running, riding your bike, racing, or just getting out and enjoy the great outdoors, you want to do it forever. That's where Inside Tracker can help. As a lifelong athlete who's done everything under the sun, I've gotten blood work done many, many times over the years, and it's always provided critical information. Even when I was feeling great and training hard, my blood work uncovered critical deficits such as low vitamin D and elevated iron. Despite how your training is going or how you're feeling, Inside Tracker helps to uncover specific, individual, and actionable insights that allow you to not only perform better, but feel better and be healthier. Inside Tracker was founded in 2009 by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics. Using their patented algorithm, Inside Tracker analyzes your body's data to provide you with a clear picture of what's going on inside of you and to offer you science-backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes. Then, Inside Tracker tracks your progress every day, every step of the way towards reaching your performance goals and living a longer, healthier life. So, Endurance Minded listeners can get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just visit info.insidetracker.com slash enduranceminded to take advantage of 25% off of the entire Inside Tracker store. Being an athlete is about more than just completing the right workouts. So visit info.insidetracker.com slash enduranceminded today 
to start taking a proactive approach to understanding what your body needs to perform better and live longer. So any number of directions we can go, but one of the one of the places that I'd like to maybe start is the um, I think the very real fact that so many folks, athletes and, and maybe even folks that don't necessarily identify as athletes or see themselves as athletes, um, so many people use exercise as a way to, to, earn, uh, to earn their meals, to earn their calories, right? We've heard this, this, this idea, this narrative, this construct before is, you know, I'm going to have to do X number of push-ups or run X number of miles or ride X number of hours to earn this, you know, insert food here, right? These foods that we, mm. we deem, um, you know, quote unquote bad, or, or we have some sort of relationship with these particular foods where we, we feel like we feel guilty for eating them. So, um, yeah, I'd love to just get, you know, with your expertise and experience in the space and intuitive eating and, guiding people's relationships with food um you know where maybe you know where does that come from and how do we how do we navigate how do we change that relationship how do we how do we fix that construct Mm. yeah i i think that's an excellent topic um kind of like using food as reward and it's interesting to think about like where that comes from and i think Sometimes I hear clients talk about that was the model even in their childhood. Like, um, and I, I see it in schools too, right? Like teachers will be like, here's your Skittles or M&Ms. Or, you know, even maybe earlier, like, oh, if you go poopy on the potty, then you get an M&M. Right. So it's so like in our culture to um, have to like wait for the reward um, and I think I do see a lot of athletes kind of create that same system for themselves. And it's, you know, nothing is black and white, but I feel like for many people, it can get so slippery re- with um, restriction, right? That whenever, you know, you don't allow yourself something um, and then it, be, it it has like more power and um like I, I don't ever let myself, I'm not going to give myself this unless I do that. It can get more extreme. And then once you get it, right, after being restricted, the pendulum swings to binge, right? When you get it, then you really get it and you go crazy. And that I think is the the real issue with um, that kind of hmm, kind of reward. It, it can, I think it sometimes can go that way. Um, what is, what is your thought with that? What are your ideas? Yeah, I think, you know, it, it, having spent most of my career and certainly, you know, my, my adult life, you know, in, in the endurance sports space and, you know, heavily involved in, in athletics and, um, it's, it's something that I mean for a very long time, and truthfully, I think since until you, you and I, you know, started to to talk, and I I better understood um, what it looks and feels like, and and what it looks like in practice to really, you know, 
kind of see take a more gentle and graceful approach to to how we eat and how we view food. It was just something I just took for granted. You know, I I, I never struggled with it personally, mm-hmm. but it was a narrative that I had always heard. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we you joked about it with people I used to train with and race with. It was yeah, you know, you're going to have to earn this and that, or, you know, you better get to it because you're going to go out for pizza tonight. Or, you know, I mean, it was just like this kind of ongoing thing that we tossed around. And I didn't, um, I, I didn't realize how negative that actually plays out in so many people's lives. Right. It's just this like constant mm-hmm. broken mm-hmm. system. Um, and it's this, like you said, it's this kind of boom and bust, right? Or, you know, mm-hmm. binge and back and forth. So, yeah, I think only, again, in the last, you know, several years, uh, since I was lucky enough to to meet you, have I really gained a better understanding of how negative that, even like joking about it, you know, because it, it's mm-hmm. so pervasive um, in, in the athletic community. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's a really can be a very hurtful thing, you know, and I, I realize now how many people really struggle with that, um, kind of behind the scenes, so to speak. And I, I think you just made a great connection, Taylor, not giving our, like kind of holding off for rewards is a type of restriction and restriction is a type of dieting and dieting is a horrible part of our culture. And the thing most predictive of restriction and dieting is weight gain. And I can't say that more clear. Like we have such a mass amount of evidence that shows the people that are restricted from foods, the people that, you know, weren't allowed to have enough when they were hungry are the ones that certainly carry the most excess body weight, struggle with their um, sense of self um, and have had the most like weight cycling, which is another thing, Um, you know, diet culture doesn't tell us, right? That, oh yeah, we can take off the weight, but you're going to gain it back and more. And I tell people of every size, like, that's the problem. There's no sustainable, safe way that we know of to shrink your body. And if you, when we start down that that slide, um, it can be a real burden because people come to me and they're like, God, I wish I was the weight I was when I first thought I started needed to lose weight. Like, because every year it tends to get, um, a little bit more because your body is smarter than your mind, right? Um, our body just knows restriction, which is like famine, famine. And I will, you know, save up for a rainy day. I got to put those fat cells even deeper into muscle tissue, even deeper into organs. Like your fat can get into your liver, into your pancreas. So um, we can't really outsmart it. One of the things I try to get people to do is like really find a purpose in their eating, like to nourish yourself so that your body doesn't have to go into this zone of, I better hold on to every calorie this person puts in their mouth so that I don't ever have to worry about being in a famine again. And that's something that um, a lot of people, you know, even athletes struggle with is nourishing um, 
especially like before workouts, sometimes you were talking about, you know, using food as a reward for athletes. Like after I complete this, then I'm going to allow myself that. Sometimes it's that same person that's not actually fueling a workout, right? Like you see a lot of people going into workouts fasted um, and then being like, okay, after I do all this, then I'm going to give myself something to eat. And we know now the science, sports science is saying, oh my gosh, a fasted workout, like you're honestly better off not doing a workout (laughs) because your body is breaking down all that lean tissue um, in order to get energy to do, to do the workout. So, um, I think, you know, you talked about it too, like really looking at food as fuel and how to look at that, the pre, during and after, and really nourishing your body in that whole sense. And then, yeah, I'm, I'm all for like food as nourishment and food as pleasure and, you know, and you can reward yourself with food, but it will probably feel more um, in an, in the right place and less like a binge if you're actually like fueled and nourished through the whole experience, right? Like we've all been in that place of, oh my God, I didn't have enough to eat or I didn't feel myself well. And then like once you had food, it was like, like out of control eating and that doesn't feel good either. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it, 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 it takes my, my, my mind in a few different directions, but I, I wonder with that in mind, I mean, how do we, how do we, what's the right way to talk about weight loss? You you Mm. know, if, Mm -hmm. if, if it's, if, I don't know, like, you know, because it it comes up, Mm -hmm. right? Like, let's just acknowledge somebody says, man, you know, I feel like I would perform better if mm-hmm. I was a little lighter or a little leaner, that would make mm-hmm. me a little more, that would make me feel faster or more athletic mm-hmm. or, or whatever. And I'm not, so, so how do we, how do we talk mm-hmm. about that? You know, how do we mm-hmm. do, how do we approach those goals in, in a way that mm-hmm. is appropriate? Right. That's a great question. And I think the first place to start is just like honoring that person in that state of feeling and um, like a person feeling like this is not the body size that I want to be in. Like that's a struggle. That's, that's a hard place to be in or um, you know, even through COVID, like so many people really had a, a real big change in their body size and that was, you know, a tough place, but at least we had our food. Right. <laughs> um, and so just acknowledging like, it sounds like you, and you get to have that feeling. You get to believe that this is not where you want to be. Um, but, and then offering like, um, what are some of the strategies that you've seen in yourself and how, and tell me about like how they've, how they work for you. Like, um, I just had a client today, like the keto diet, tried it for three years and you can lose weight and um, it feels like success. And then, you know, hearing more about the story, you know, oh, well, it only lasts so long and then I can't, I I need to eat carbohydrate because 
for most athletes, they'll find out the keto diet works great in zone one, but as soon as you need to get some power, there's really nothing there for you. And so um, just recounting like what has the, the journey that you've taken, like all the dieting and how it's affected you physiologically, psychologically, socially, um, and all that really matters because that's like many of the key areas of your life. And I think that's the process that I like to take people with, but also looking at how can we look at your body, not in something you have to like do to it, but how can you, um, open up that space for change in the process, but not the goal. Kind of like our culture looks at happiness like a goal instead of like a process, right? That the science says if you if you try to attain happiness as a goal, honestly, you get like it's like the recipe for misery. And it's the same thing for weight loss. If you look at weight loss as your goal, honestly, the most predictable predictive thing is weight gain. So I tell people, what could you do? What kind of behaviors, what kind of processes could we look at in your life that might create that space for that change? And that's really the the difference between, um, I think, a lot of what diet culture does versus what like intuitive eating therapy does and the difference. I love the analogy of the like chasing happiness. You know, mm. I, I, I agree. And it's something that I've talked about, you know, on this podcast and, and other places is you, you, there's this very real need to work to find, you know, joy in that process, you know, that, that happiness is not, you know, the, I've heard the adage is like, you know, that happiness is not 10 yards down the field right? Like this, cause that's, it's a moving goalpost, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, uh, an author that I, that I really like, his name's Brad Stolberg, who, uh, who wrote a book and he, he coined the phrase heroic individualism, which mm-hmm. is this idea that, that, that you're always chasing something, right? You're mm-hmm. never actually getting there. And that makes me think about this, whether it's happiness or this perf- this kind of, you know, quote unquote, perfect body type that you want or what like you're never it's in it's you can't be um you know you you can't fill that void right you're always pushing further downfield um and that's a that's a really that's a tough place to live you know (laughs) like when you're when you're always when it's never obtainable um so back to weight loss though Mm because i i just think it's there's so much to, to unpack yeah. there. Um, but when, so a lot of people lead, you know, and you see this all over the place. It is like, um, you know, you have to be in a caloric deficit to lose weight. And, mm. and there's all these people. Well, so yeah, so I'm saying, I, I want to mm-hmm. get your opinion. Like these are the tropes, right? Like this, you see yeah. this like posted everywhere. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. fact, right? Like mm-hmm. whatever this marketing slogan is. Um, and so, you know, intentional calorie restriction for weight loss is a very slippery slope. Um, mm-hmm. How, 
how do we address that? How, how do, yeah. what, what is the way, again, just to piggyback on this kind of these concepts of weight loss mm-hmm. and identifying where that person's at and maybe there is another, you know, mm-hmm. goal that they have. Like, so how do they, how do we get them there in a way that is healthy and sustainable since we've identified mm-hmm. that like dieting and some of these things that were marketed, mm-hmm. they're not, we know scientifically they're not right. sustainable. So yeah, what's, yeah. what's your experience there? I think there's like two categories to look at. Like one is like the psychology of it, um, trying to shrink your body. There's a lot of psychology with that. And then the science. Um, and so kind of addressing both pieces, sometimes people are like, just give me the science. <laughs> my God, right, you right, probably right. need the psychology the most. <laughs> um, I mean, in the psychology has been thrown under the bus, right? That we, our culture is, again, so, so glaringly um, attracted to the science of it. And we haven't honored people and their experiences because we've given so much science. And so addressing the psychology of um, things like, what is your inner voice? And You know, many times it's the internalized weight stigma that people have for themselves. You know, like, wow, they they really are unhappy in their own bodies and they really don't like themselves. And sometimes that pain is what leads to really disordered eating behaviors, right? Some, you know, I get calls um, on the phone just yesterday help me, I just ate two pounds of M&Ms. And when you break it down, like this person is really, they feel horrible. And they, and they are just like using food as a, like weaponizing food, weaponizing food on their bodies. And so the psychology I feel like is like one of the most important pieces. And, um, and then turning also, you know, there's the science of it too. And, and again, there's a lot of myths that we have to bust in that area, which you just brought up like, oh, you have to be in calorie deficit. Wow. You know, like once clients really start like nourishing them, themselves with like consistent real meals, some of the new science says um, athletes that are um, a little bit of science here, like splitting meals, right? They're showing like actually taking a meal, splitting it into throughout the day, um, fueling consistently, not in calorie deficit. These people are like, we're doing samples, their muscles, they're having, um, more, um, muscle synthesis, lean muscle synthesis. They're having less adipose go in their muscles. So, um, you know, there are strategies. I think looking at the how of eating is really important instead of just focusing on the what. Sometimes I have clients um, reorder the way they're eating to reduce, you know, glucose curves, um, putting protein, fiber, fat before the carbohydrate. So there's just the how of eating, I think, is is really a new science in um, how to maintain or attain um, kind of a, a, a fitness level with your body. And notice I didn't talk about like shrinking your body, but again, just like happiness, a lot of people are finding like 
um, hey, I feel really good in this body that has a really high BMI, but I'm like, I'm feeling really fit and I feel like healthy and I'm, I'm really super strong. And I'm like, good for you. Like, there's no reason you have to, you know, try to attain this healthcare standard BMI to be a fit person because every, every time uh, fitness over any fatness it, it is really true. Um, yeah. So yeah. I guess my, my thought on that is just the two camps of like, you know, science is important, but the psychology of why someone wants to, to lose weight um, and going back, looking at like um, why they got to that place, like, um, and figuring out, you know, what, what their journey is with their body, I think is, is super important. I can't tell you, I'm sure you've had the same experience. Like I can't tell you how many countless amazing athletes and fit individuals I, I have met and known who from a BMI perspective are morbidly obese, <laughs> you know, like it's mm-hmm. such a, it's such a crappy um, measure of a person's, you know, fitness or ability mm-hmm. or how their body, you know, what their body is capable of. Like I, mm-hmm. I, that's, you know, I, hopefully mm-hmm. we can, we're starting to get away from that. I know, you know, as like a measure of, of a person's health, you know, we're starting mm-hmm. to see some varied metrics, but hopefully mm-hmm. that'll go away. Um, yeah. yeah what, you're, right. you're right. Hopefully it will go away. Like we used to think that smoking was glamorous and now we know it's gross. I mean, there's so many, th- we used to think that marriage was just between a man and a woman. And now we know love is like in different phases and places and people and, so norms change and we have to really continue this dialogue um, because of weight stigma and discrimination and body size is, it's still like the like last bastion of like open discrimination. Um, and we just have to really push into this. And, and I want to make another comment like <clears throat> that I know that many physicians that take insurance are required in order to in order to bill insurance, many uh, primary healthcare providers are required to bring up BMI in the conversation, even though they don't want to. Mm. And so it puts it puts the healthcare provider in this weird place because, like, they have 15 minutes, and now they're just like, "Oh, by the way, your BMI is is this," and then it creates this shame scenario. But I want to let anybody that's listening to this podcast know your physician may not even want to talk about it, and you are welcome. A, not to get weighed, and B, decide that you don't want to have that conversation and just politely say, I really don't want to have this conversation about BMI today. Say, you know, I, I have an anti-diet dietitian or I have a coach that is supporting me in my journey with my health. And literally, you can just bypass the conversation. So please don't feel pressured to have a conversation about your BMI. It can be really triggering. I, I I know so many people I, I, that have that feel worse about themselves when they come back from the doctor. You know, to your point, right? Like, and, and not to like trash doctors again. They 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 might have to do that. There's pressure from other places, or they legally or or whatever. But you know, I've talked to athletes. They're like, man, I felt I felt really good about myself until I went and had this checkup and. You know, and not that they're unhealthy, but it, 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 like you said, it, it highlights these areas or, or, 
you know, makes them feel less confident. And, you know, then we work to, to kind of reposition that um, and, and understand, you know, where that's coming from and so on. But yeah, I, I, it's an unfortunate, you know, maybe reality currently or truth that, you know, sometimes, sometimes those mm-hmm. checkups, like, even though you're healthy, like you leave feeling like you're, mm-hmm. you know, not, not as healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, the, I, I do want to go back. I mean, I, the mm-hmm. psychology versus the science, I, it really struck me. Like there's so many parallels there with, with, you know, athletics or endurance sports and to your point about like, we really struggle to, to tap into the psychology piece, right? Like that's, that's really like, that's why this podcast exists is like, we all, we want, there's science, right? If we're talking about like Mm -hmm. performance, we always go to what's the workout, what's my power pace, what's right. There's quantitative components and those can be important, but we so rarely give time and space and weight to the, the psychology piece, to the mental mm-hmm. emotional aspects mm-hmm. of what it, what's actually required to, to do those things, to, to show mm-hmm. up, to, to stay consistent, whatever. Um, and that's, it's the same thing. I just saw so many parallels when you said like, that's the same thing with, with dieting and, and weight loss and, and so on. I mean, what, what is it in your experience that's made it challenging for people to, to, I don't know, own up to, or, or like just give weight and credence to the psychological components? Like why is mm-hmm. the science and, you know, mm-hmm. like you're, you're, you're as much in the science as anyone else. Mm-hmm. So it's not that we're not using it, or, but mm-hmm. like, why do we shy away from, from the other part of the equation? From, from the, the psychology part? Yeah. Like what's it? Cause I see it in the sport, like on the endurance, mm-hmm. like on the, you know, again, like on the um, athlete side or whatever, however you want to position that. Mm-hmm. So it's this, it's a pervasive thing, right? Like you're, I'm getting it as a coach, like you're getting it as the dietitian. So that individual is like, you know, we're selling, so to speak, <laughs> this very like singular kind of brand of 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 individual right when it's so much more nuanced than that like i feel like that's where the psychology is at so yeah i don't know like, right. why why does that piece get lost i think the loss is really summed up in one word and it's stigma i think stigma is so paralyzing and you know there's we live in such a culture of like you should just be able to wash your face and do it. Come on, just get out there, get your shoes on and just go. And there's, there's a lot of people who they feel a lot of shame. They feel a lot of shame from stigma. And we know now that a lot of, you know, going back to the original part of this conversation, that when we look at like where people kind of go sideways in eating, it's usually from stigma, whether it's, um, internalized weight stigma, um, just community, you know, just perceived stigma that there's a lot of people that don't feel like they're, they're, they're good enough, um, that they can do this. And that's why I love, you know, your TEC has just such the right, um, view of this and like, Hey, everybody's welcome. Everybody's part of this. You're an athlete. And, 
Um, that's so key um, because there's a lot of people that just don't feel like they can do it. And that's the thing. That's the circular conversation. That's, you know, feeling that shame, which creates depression and then creates the scenario where I think I'll just sit on the couch and eat another (laughs) sleeve of, you know, Oreos. And it just kind of keeps driving that thing until people say, hey, wait, you know, you, you can, we can start here. There's, there's a, there's a start line for you too. Um, and so that invitation is really powerful and I'm so thankful that you and your coaches really agree and, um, and we'll work with people at every level. And so I think that's, that's the strategic piece that's in place, um, to help people where they are and to kind of get them, um, moving in whatever direction they want to go. And, and again, like not focusing on the end results of their body weight, but focusing in on the rest of the journey can be really powerful. And just letting that part um, kind of naturally kind of evolve. And it does. People are like, wow, I'm, I'm feeling better. And because I'm feeling better and moving, I, I'm making better choices for myself. And just launching from that space can be super powerful. So many people feel like they have to, you know, to, to piggyback on your point of this kind of like hard charging, hard drag. We get so much of that, you know, and, and, um, you know, and it, it, it works for some people, but I'm, you know, I'm always quick to say is like, you don't have to get up at four in the morning, mm. right? Like, you don't, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't, there is a space for for progress and for you to, to strive to be the best version of yourself in whatever that looks like. And also for some grace, right? Like you Mm -hmm. don't have to kill yourself every day. Right. And I think that holds a lot of people back from Mm -hmm. having conversations about, you know, their body, you know, with, with you um, and then, you know, having conversations about a consistent movement practice mm-hmm. with people like me is they're like, well, it, it, it feels like it's so far away, right? They're mm-hmm. like, well, this is what it must take to be quote unquote successful and to reach my goals. And I, I don't feel like I can do that or I'm not there yet or whatever. So I just don't do it, you know, mm-hmm. and I, mm-hmm. to, to your point and, you know, I want to make it very clear that like, that that opportunity is open to everyone right like you can you can engage with these things starting wherever you're at and move Mm -hmm. forward in a way that's healthy and sustainable but it doesn't have to be this like you know this hard charging at all costs like forget Mm -hmm. your feelings kind of thing right like i think we have to Mm -hmm. we have to honor like what it actually looks and feels like to show up day to day, you mm-hmm. know, it's hard, right? Like mm-hmm. it's hard and it's messy and it's, you know, mm-hmm. life, there's days that suck and um, yeah. that's okay. And, and being okay in the ambivalence. And I love that place. It's like, yeah, what do I feel like today? And I feel like it's really important. You know, we're, ta- we're kind of talking, I feel like we're talking about kind of the, a newer athlete or person that's just kind of, um, early stages of change, right? Um, 
pre-contemplation, but even for like some of our listeners that might be like the, on the other end, like pro athletes, high end people, that's an issue too. Like just looking at where, where can the pendulum kind of swing a little bit more in the medium middle? Yes. When you're training and you're doing many hours of training and, you know, very, um, consistent eating and very, you know, planned out nutrition, but staying in that place for too long is disordered. (laughs) And like, how can you kind of come back to where, where can your pendulum come back to? Maybe it will go in that area occasionally, but really having a coach and a dietitian to kind of help you with periodization, trying to find um, where you can, the pendulum can swing back a little bit is really helpful. And I think another part of that being helpful is just so you can identify with like humanity because being so extreme, um, it can be a lonely place also. And again, in that very extreme restrictive place, right? What happens after the really super extreme athletes stay there too long? Some of them, they never want to go back on the bike. Right. They never want to eat like that again. They, ne- you know, and so really helping a lot of people find that middle way where they feel like they can be supportive, that they can sustain, they can um, make some gains, but not get extreme. Um, I think is really is really key. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, what do you you know? What do we see as soon as every pro athlete or, or Olympian or, or whatever, you know, is, is done or, or, you know, has, has, is in the off season is like, you know, they're sitting by a pool deck hanging out, like not measuring their food, right? Like there's, it's not sustainable. Like no one does that year round and no Mm -hmm. one does it year after year. Mm -hmm. And then when those people are out of their sport, like they're, they're quickly working to find some more balanced approach to engage in, athleticism Mm -hmm. and how they fuel their bodies and you know like Mm -hmm. to your point like no one you know these the pendulum needs to eventually find itself in the middle you know and Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean i i struggled with that for a long time you know i when i was Mm -hmm. um i just thought you always had to be doing more you know Mm -hmm. and and that was the Mm -hmm. only way that you could really measure progress was to was to year after year do more and it, whether it was go faster or longer or both or whatever. And that manifested itself in many different ways. But the, like when I was able to find a, a more balanced approach where I actually found a lot of joy in, in the process, it became like the most productive and happy, you know, in terms of my athletic self that I've ever been. You know, and and finally, to your point, like when the pendulum, Mm -hmm. when I let it go, when I finally was like, you know what, like Mm -hmm. it need, I need to find the middle path. Um, Mm -hmm. It, it really, I was like, oh, this feels so much more rewarding. You know, like truthfully, Mm -hmm. I wasn't Mm -hmm. finding a lot of joy and like constantly destroying myself. Um, Right. So yeah, no, I, 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 that resonates a lot um, Mm -hmm. for sure. That's when you feel like you like that's where you find your value is always Mm -hmm. being like at the extreme Mm -hmm. limits of things. Um, 
Yeah. Well, that's, that's super interesting. Because um, like, then you don't, the bite, you know, like having to exercise just like feels <laughs> torturous and, and it comes down to like pleasure and satisfaction. Um, and I say not just in the food, but like when you're moving your body, um, of course, you know, high end training. Yeah. If you're doing intervals, like zone five, you know, just huge VO2 max FTP stuff. It doesn't feel like there's not much pleasure and satisfaction. And I, I understand that, but how do we sprinkle in some workouts where you do have that attunement, that introspection of I'm feeling my body and I'm having fun, right? Like connecting with that, I think is so, so key um, for our athletes. And, and, and I do that with food too. Like, Hey, what sounds like fun to you to eat? And people are like, fun. I've never eaten for fun. <laughs> mm. Like, oh man, we gotta yeah. we gotta switch things up here. How how does somebody like? How do you recommend someone do that? Because yeah, yeah, I think mm. that language I would imagine is not how most people would think about food. Um, mm. I, I am. I get immense joy out of food. Like you and I have talked about this. I've actually talked about it on the podcast. Like I, 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 it's a, it's a passion of mine. So I, I see that, but like only because it's, it's like, you know, something that I'm very mm-hmm. uh, passionate about, but how, yeah. Like what form does that take on? You know, how do we do that mm-hmm. in a way that's still healthy or sustainable mm-hmm. or I don't know. There's, there feels mm-hmm. like there's, a, a, an opportunity for maybe some like lost in translation, right? People are like fun. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. they go again, it's that like binge, right? Mm-hmm. They go nuts. Mm-hmm. So how, how do we do that? How do we have fun and still stay Maybe fun, yeah. healthy or whatever? Right. And yeah, this is where it can't, it, it kind of, it's just kind of person by person, but um, and it depends on the level of restriction. Um, and you may remember too, like your days of really high end training. And if you were really restrictive and, um, and then kind of coming out of that, like, <laughs> you know how that was, right. So the pendulum can really like, whew, all of a sudden it's like, you know, pancakes every morning for breakfast with lots of syrup because you didn't have that. And it like tasted so good. And so some of it is, you know, I tell people, for the years of restriction that you had, it may be you like you almost need that much time with permission. And permission is really a key concept. It's not always saying yes. It's not always, it's like you have permission to say yes and to say no. But if you if you didn't allow, if you said no to yourself so many times, if you were, if you were like such a food police person. To say yes, it may feel so good that there may be like some pendulum eating where you're like, wow, I just, I, I just ate too much. And just helping people go through that experience and saying, this is normalized. Like, I want to normalize your experience um, that you restricted yourself and now you're allowing yourself some food and it tastes amazing. 
and you're probably overeating too. And that's okay because if you we're going to think about the pendulum and the pendulum eventually will calm down, but you may go through kind of this phase of like food is so fun right now. Did did you have anything like that when you came out of your pro years of like and then like some people like went from like I didn't drink any alcohol to, you know, then I really started putting that more in my life and then the pendulum kind of came back a little bit or food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think certainly in it moments, I mean, I um I've always really liked food. Um mm-hmm. meaning that like it's a it's a really important part of um it's like how I move through my life. So I mm-hmm. I honestly was never willing to like not enjoy <laughs> not enjoy food. Mm-hmm. Not that I wasn't conscious of where, yeah. you know, and I still am like you know, mm-hmm. food quality, food sources, mm-hmm. food, yeah. you know, I I want it to fuel my body and and mm-hmm. my endeavors. Mm-hmm. But with that in mind, like I mm-hmm. you know, I I was never I never took it as far as some of the people that I raced with did, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of like really yeah. being like, no, I'm not having, like I can't have this or I can't, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. That Good being said, I mean, certainly there were moments, you know, where like I was training really hard, you know, I, I, I was, I was racing bikes. So being, um, being lean mm-hmm. was, was something that I was after, right? Like that was faster. That was power to weight. And, um, mm-hmm. I, so, I mean, when I would be done with like big training blocks or the, or the season, I mean, there's certainly moments where like, you know, I ate like two pizzas by myself and stuff like that, you know, mm-hmm. where it's just like, I, cause I, to your point, like I, I had been, I was certainly conscious of it mm-hmm. in terms of like, I didn't want to gain weight. Um, I wanted to, you know, wanted the food to come from places that I knew were going to be essentially readily available for fuel. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, there were, there were glimpses of it. I certainly had times when I felt that way. It was like, you know, and it it wasn't forever, but it would be, you know, a day or two or like go on vacation or something. And, you know, honestly, I probably had more of that with, um, I felt very similar in terms of like movement, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I, where I would like would go on vacation and just be like, ugh, like I don't want to do anything, you mm-hmm. know? And whereas mm-hmm. like now I so enjoy exercising on vacation. Mm-hmm. Like it's one of my favorite ways to like experience a place, right? Yeah. And that could be as simple as a, a long walk mm-hmm. or a run or mm-hmm. rent a bike or, you know, simple strength mm-hmm. training. Like I just love daily movement. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, like that, that pendulum piece kind of swung in that direction with exercise as well, which really mm-hmm. informed honestly, how I, how I think about like the athlete experience, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, there has to be sustainability. Like you mentioned it mm-hmm. earlier. It's like you, if you, if you, if you go full, full gas, and yeah, maybe, maybe you like reach your outcome based goals you get, but if at the end of that thing, you, 
you don't want to look at your running shoes or your bike or your right. Then like, I feel like that's really in my mind, that's kind of the worst outcome. Mm -hmm. Cause I think it, it really is incumbent upon me as a coach to give an athlete or help an athlete develop tools and skills to build a lifelong appreciation for, for movement. Right. And that could be anything like, I don't, care what you're doing it's the intrinsic value of that thing that's that i that i want to help others <laughs> see the value in so um yeah i don't it's i i you know there's been so much evolution for me uh, over the years in in <laughs> those spaces both the eating side of things um again as and then the you know the the exercise training <laughs> side of things as well um yeah i don't know how, how do you oh go ahead you, you were talking about fun with food and i just thought of another thing i wanted to bring into the conversation that i'd be happy to offer to clients um is like food meditations too like i have a chocolate meditation for clients that like have not allowed themselves to have certain foods and are kind of like concerned and worried about ever eating them again Sometimes just reintroducing that and looking at all the senses that are involved in eating it and really staying connected to the experience because sometimes when we eat a food that we deem as bad, <laughs> um, is scary. And even though we want it, we don't want it, right? Like, er, 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 we're kind of weird about it. Um, and so just really trying to normalize that experience and teaching people to like have pleasure again with the foods that they used to enjoy is something I really enjoy doing also. Um, because people sometimes like disconnect while eating, right? You've probably seen that too, um, where people are like, Oh my God, where's the other half of my sandwich? Or I didn't realize I ate all that. Like, cause we're so distracted with our eating, but sometimes we create that distraction because we don't, again, it's like another way we weaponize, we don't want to know that we're actually doing this because we don't want to be eating because we want to be like unconsciously trying to lose weight and teaching people strategies, um, whether it's like being purposeful, um, at using introspective awareness for like how they're feeling while they eat, um, all the sensations of eating, um, the sensory sensations and things like, um, the, like, um, sensate specific satiety like when you start noticing that a food like stops tasting really good right like our that's our bodies are kind of made to have a shutoff valve um but many times we kind of just blow past that because well that piece of cheesecake was ten dollars so i'm gonna finish it <laughs> um mm. but you know, five, 10 bites into it, we were like, you know, it didn't taste as good. And that's like your body telling you like, slow down. Um, but teaching people some of these strategies of like, the, you'll, you'll ride the wave like with any pleasure, but then it eventually like crashes, right? Like it only lasts, pleasure only lasts so long. And then we're grasping. And it's that space of grasping that usually is where people tend to overeat and which may also be putting them in a body size that may not 
match what feels natural for people. Um, and so that's sometimes a space that I like to help people into is um, looking at finding the pleasure with food and then figuring out when to stop and start. Hmm. I mean, it strikes me that, you know, so much of our food system is, it really is designed (laughs) to take the pleasure away, right? It's like fast and it's, you know, it's all these things, right? Mm -hmm. Like insert buzzword. Mm -hmm. Um, And like with, like, yeah, like, I don't know, that's, is it, um, like, is it a convenience thing? Like, why is it bad? Why has it gotten bad to like enjoy your food? Right. Like, I feel like that's kind of, people get like, mm. like they're, they're ashamed of it a lot of times. Right. Like they're like, Oh, I just, mm-hmm. if it's like faster and quicker and m- more whatever, mm-hmm. and like, mm-hmm. they don't take a long time to eat. Right. Like, Oh, it's just something quick, like 10 minutes. But I, I, I'll, I'll get mm-hmm. like back to this other thing. Like, it's almost like an inconvenience to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess, am I, is, am, I, am I making that up or is that something that you see in the work that you do? Like that there's this, there's right, a, it's a lack of self-care, I think, that people right. don't value, the, take the time to like, like food, your eating is part of your self-care. And I mentioned that to a client this week and she's like, I didn't really consider that. But eating is part of self-care and taking the time um, to eat. But the self-care piece is not just about the science and nutrition, like not all the vitamins, minerals, carbs, macronutrients. It's about like also the psychology, the pleasure, the satisfaction. And like, are these different foods, do they have the qualities that are going to satisfy you in texture, like crunchy, smooth, creamy, you know, all that chewy, um, really taking a look at those things too, um, are super important. I'm laughing because I was on the airplane and there was this retreat center somewhere in California for like $1,800 a day that you would just drink juice. (laughs) Okay. I was like, oh my God, that you would, and you know, like tout, like we're going to, it's a detox system. All I can t- say about things like that, okay, the reason it's only three days is because you're going to be so hungry. Right, <laughs> Maybe you're going right. to lose weight, but you're going to like binge on Chick-fil-A on the way home, right? Right, um, right? It's just crazy. So, you know, just please don't know that um, it, your brain is so complex. You need like a variety of all those things to really satisfy. And please take the time to satisfy yourself in with just a lot of variety with nutrients and also with um, textures and, and even like cultural foods, like satisfying yourself with what's meaningful um, for your culture. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, my favorite way, like the reason I travel I, and I think it's kind of gets at what you're saying, but like the reason I travel is to like experience a culture through food. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's such an impactful way to like have that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but before I forget, so how do we, you mentioned detox, which mm-hmm. I, I, I don't do them. Um, Please don't. I don't. 
Um, <laughs> I don't, you know, stuff like that. It, it feels a little flash in the pan uh, for mm-hmm. me. But, but like, how do, so how do we, people do them all the time, right? Like it's, it's a, it's a, it's a heavily marketed, there's all these different, mm-hmm. you know, pick a thing. Um, what, I mean, why, why do people do, you know, how do you handle them? Someone comes to you and they're like, I, I want to do a detox. What, what mm-hmm. does that really, like, what, what are they trying to get at? You know, how do we mm-hmm. take that and, and reroute it mm-hmm. in a way that's healthy? Yeah. Right. And, first normalizing like curiosity like humans are curious and we're just curious like is this really gonna like is there something impure about my body like why why do you feel like you need to detox and most people would say oh I feel overweight or I feel like I'm a little puffy or something or I feel like I'm I've just haven't eaten well and I've got a lot of yuck in my body um and all that is just really bad science because your liver <laughs> is an amazing organ and your body your kidneys are just cleaning you 24/7 and um if you're eating regularly and you otherwise healthy person eliminating in the right ways you should you don't need any detoxes um but you know kind of finding out like what it, what makes you want that um what what and, and then going back to, this is another diet, and do diets work? And what is the destruction from dieting? And it's, you know, that's a really long conversation, the destruction of dieting. So, um, yeah, detox, diets, again, another problem. Yeah. So don't, yeah. what is the, what's the one, the lemon, cayenne, pepper, we, we don't, <laughs> we can, we can skip, we can skip that and then just have a real meal, right? Yeah, for sure. Just have yeah. a real meal. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's always um you know the the what gets touted is uh you know people do them and then they they like they they without getting too like graphic, you know, people are always, oh there's always like toxins being released from my body, you know, mm. like in their in their urine and their bowel movements and and like what <laughs> I, I guess, like, just to, just for my own curiosity, like, what's happening when somebody mm. does a does a detox? Like, what mm-hmm. what does your body, you know, why does yeah. it? Because it, it's it kind of like <clears throat> behaves. I'm not advocating for mm-hmm. detox, but like, kind of behaves mm-hmm. like it's like mm-hmm. it's you know flushing out all these things right. or whatever. Like, so what's what's happening? Yeah, so there's different um, detox, you know, ways to detox, whether I was talking before, like the, you know, drink only juice for three days kind of detox, whether it's a laxative type detox where you're, you know, chemically stimulating your colon to really poop more. And again, you can, your body is strong enough, it can do these things for three days. Um, But at the expense, and this is where, you know, athletes, you know, need to worry, um, at the expense of lean tissue. So your body is really good at, well, if you're not going to eat food, no, you're just going to have to break it down (laughs) in your body. So, Mm. um, and of course the laxative part, that's different, but if you're not going to eat food and you're just going to have juice as a talk, you know, to detox, you, you can be okay. Cause you know, you have enough that you're, you're having carbohydrate, you're having fluid, but you need protein and your body will just break down lean tissue for that. 
that's one side. So the other side of um, detox, where you're actually chemically stimulating your colon to um, poop more. Um, yeah, so you can get all those out and you might feel better, maybe a little bit lighter because n- not just poop, but you're, you're, pro- you're stimulating your colon. So now fluid, and we all know that fluid is just a short-term amount, you know, that as soon as you drink water again, you know, you're going to gain that weight back, but, um, that laxatives are not a long-term, um, weight loss either that, you know, in the, in the short term, you might see some, um, change because of water loss, um, and fecal mass. But again, you can't keep doing that forever. In fact, if you are using stimulating laxatives as, you know, it's actually a purging type behavior, which is disordered. Um, it's really, it can be really dangerous because you not only lose fluid, but you can lose a lot of potassium that way. And I've seen athletes literally crumple, um, from, you know, laxative abuse. So that's not a, again, not a sustainable way to lose weight. And some people try it for a couple of days. That's fine. But again, why even start it if you know, it's not going to really be sustainable. Right. Yeah. It's just that kind of quick fix. You know, we, we, there's so much of that going around, right. It's like the newest, latest, greatest. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think similar to like, it's easier to get the quick food than to actually like prepare it and find pleasure and and set aside time for doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, well, um, you know, I think, uh, laxative, um, Detox is probably a fantastic way to wrap up our, our conversation. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the end, right? <laughs> yes. No. Um, thank you so much. No, sure. like your your mm. your insight. Uh, I've I always learned so much from you, and and so mm. appreciate and value um, yeah. what you uh, what you do for 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 people, both those uh, those that work with TEC and and mm. uh, and elsewhere. So thank thank you, Christine. Thank you. Yeah, this is great.